Is it ever okay to truly get angry? And if so, how long is it okay to stay angry for? And what actually happens to your body and your mind if you do get and stay angry? What is the true impact? Welcome to Flow with Armanasati. This is the kind of shit I think about. <laughs> Look, at the end of the day, there are different types of anger. Imagine that I said something to you that was truly insulting. I did something or said something that really truly hurt your feelings. Now you should have in that moment what is referred to as a righteous or justified anger. Like you're justified and that anger that you feel is righteous, meaning that there's moral ground for it, you're correct to be upset and it's important to actually feel that entire spectrum of what it feels like to get angry or upset or sad as a result of what another person or situation said or has done to you. Now, the question is, what type of anger is not justified and how long should you stay angry for? Now, this is the key, especially in interpersonal relationships. Now, you probably already know this as well as I do, that there is a whole different personality that comes up in a relationship with somebody, somebody that you're truly close to, typically your significant other or a family member. And even family members are a little bit more removed from this. We typically see this other personality come to life in these very close, um, you know, important, significant other relationships. And what often comes to the surface is all of our wiring, our pain, our suffering, our complexes, which I'll go into, all of these things that are honestly on autopilot. Our regulation is often on autopilot. How we regulate. Do we regulate our anger by ourselves or do we regulate our anger by by engaging the other person? Do we fight, flight, or freeze? Or do we just play dead and turn into a possum? All of these things are a form of regulation and they often come to the surface in these relationships because it doesn't happen. Why doesn't this stuff happen at work? Why do you react that way and get so angry with that person that you love so much and you take it so personally, but if it happened at work or if it happened with someone, you know, at a bar, it would, you would move on from it very quickly. There's a lot of studies that show the average recovery time for most situations is 20 to 30 minutes. So if you get angry righteously in a justifiable way, it's important to process through that as quickly as possible. Like don't skip the process, but on average, this should take you no more than 20 to 30 minutes. Anything beyond that begins to create a problem. And what you often see is the person regulate this anger by either lashing out externally and trying to solve it externally, okay, or flight and run away and go into their room or go under the covers or close the door and avoid. And one of the challenges we run into after a certain point is if you are the type of person that takes more than 30 minutes to calm down and get out of what we call in Jungian psychology, your complex, unfortunately, it's very difficult to get you out of that state. And you do see this with people at times where they stay in that state of mind, that state of being for a very long time. And the anger continues to grow and boil and perpetuate. And one of the things that happens to us when we get into that angry state is we expect the person 
who committed the grievance to fix it. Like, it's only logical to say, you did it, you fix it. It's your fault. And the challenge with the, it's all your fault, you fix it uh, philosophy is that there's never going to be a resolution. If you come to the table after being angry for 20 minutes, two hours, and your perspective is, you did this, you fix it, that is going to only drag the other person down into their complex. And what you often find when people get you know, in this entanglement with one another is that wherever one person goes, the other follows. So if one person has the ability to self-regulate and snap out of their anger and fully process it and get it out of their system in five minutes or 10 minutes, and the other person needs hours or in really extreme situations, days, there's this cat and mouse game. There's this, you know, tango that happens, this dance that happens that's really terrible between the two people where the other person thinks it's over. And so they think, okay, is this person approachable now? We're going to have a conversation. They attempt to say, I'm sorry. And then the other person responds and is, you're not fully over it. And this other person's saying, I'm sorry to you, but they're not saying, I'm sorry the way you want it. And so what happens is that we have created a trap for that person and really for ourselves. The key with anger is to acknowledge that the anger is righteous, that the anger is justified, but to soothe the self whenever possible, to get to a place where you go on your own and you sit down and you say to yourself that the first question I like to ask myself is this, does this person love me or does this person even care about me? And if the answer to that question is no, then what are you doing? <laughs> right? It's like, if the answer to that question is no, then you're in the wrong relationship, friendship, whatever it might be. So it's like, you move on, problem solved. If the answer to that question is yes, you have to give the benefit of the doubt every single time to the best of your ability that that person didn't mean to hurt you. That's the key. The moment that you realize that, you can begin to separate from the personal feeling, the personal attack. Why would they do this to me? How could they do this to me? You know, how could they be so mean? How could they be so rude? How could they be so hurtful? The reality is that they have no idea, most likely, that they even did anything, number one. Number two, if they did do something and they're aware of it, they didn't mean for it to come out the way that it did. They probably didn't mean to hurt you the way that they did. And they might be dealing with their own shit and their own projections and their own complexes and their own traumas that are coming to the surface. Everybody is at the end of the day. And what you ultimately have in a relationship is two people who have a series of, I hate to use the word triggers, but a series of patterns that when you bring these patterns together, it is a new energy that is created because these patterns, one person being sensitive about one thing and another person being sensitive about another 
would not exist in another relationship. Like there's a reason that your coworker doesn't piss you off. Not and forget the fact that you're not close enough to them for them to ever piss you off. And you don't live with them and sleep with them or spend enough time with them. Like that's the most important part. But the second aspect of it is that people react differently because of the patterns that we share. And so it just might be that the way your significant other looks at you in certain situations reminds you of the way your father looked at you when he was drinking alcohol. And that brings up a series of traumas and a series of triggers and a pain body, as Eckhart Tolle calls it, that does not leave until you process it. Now, there's two solutions here that I think are important to, or two things that I think are really important to distinguish. Now, as I mentioned, according to most studies, it takes about 20 to 30 minutes on average for most people to snap out of their complex. Complex is the phrase we use in Jungian psychology. Pain body is the phrase that the spiritual teacher Eckhart Tolle uses. Again, we're talking about all the same things, right? On average, if it takes 20 to 30 minutes, um, what you have is a person in that state that they need to self-regulate. Now, according to the clinical psychologist Stan Tatkin, he believes, and I agree with him to a certain point, that you're kind of fucked. Like if you're in that situation where you're the type of person that doesn't have the ability to self-regulate and snap yourself out of this state, it's not really on you. It's on your partner to realize that being in a relationship is really hard. And part of being in a relationship is understanding what causes my partner to go in that state And how can I potentially prevent it? And if I can't prevent it or if I don't prevent it, how can I get them out of that state? Now, I find this uh, whole notion a little bit challenging because what it does is it puts the onus on your partner to fix you. And I think this is a pretty different approach that Stan is talking about, but it's a dangerous one. So let's just play with it though. Let's say, and because I do think there is utility in this. Let's just say that you teach your partner, hey, when I get angry and I seem to stay there and I go into fight, flight, freeze, or play dead, all I really need to hear is fill in the blank. Or all I really need you to do is X and I will feel better. And it's typically the thing that your partner wants to give you like least in that moment because they're mad at you for being mad. You're getting mad, you're you're misbehaving, you're being angry, you're causing a fit, and then they're being like, I don't want to deal with this. And so they're least likely to give you that thing. But if you can communicate and say something along the lines of like, all I really need in that moment when I'm being irrational is for you to give me a hug, for you to make me feel secure. You'll often hear women uh, say this, or they should say it more often if that's how they feel. You might hear somebody say something along the lines of, here's mine. I'll be totally straight up with you. Mine is something along the lines of, hey, you didn't do anything wrong. It's okay. If I heard that, all of my anger would subside because my complex, the root of my complex when I get angry is in childhood, being blamed for things excessively over and over again when in fact I had done nothing wrong in an unjustified way and always being guilty and responsible for regulating the emotions of another person. 
We'll save that for another time. We'll bookmark that and leave that there. So I need to hear it's going to be okay. You didn't do anything wrong. Or rather, you didn't do anything wrong. And when I go into a freeze state, what I need to hear is it's over, it's done. Don't worry, we're moving forward. Because I go into a state of like, oh my God, this is going to last forever. This is terrible. I don't want this pain. I don't want this conflict. I don't want conflict. And so I stay there. That's what I need to hear. If you can come up with this and add this to your toolkit in your relationships, I think that it can truly be transformational. Here's the danger with this approach, in my opinion, and where I think I, I would love to discuss. I should actually probably get Stan on the show to talk to him about this. My fear with this is that given my experience with Jungian psychology and uh, psychoanalysis and what I have found with people that are in their complexes, a complex is a state of pure fucking unconscious. You're so irrational in that state. You're so angry. So it's very hard to get you out of it. Oftentimes what you find with these people that go into this state for days or hours is that the only way it ever ends is the point of exhaustion. Like they just get so tired and so exhausted from being in that state that they eventually give up and they come up to you eventually and they're like, all right, I'm over it. Or all right, let's talk. And you can feel it. You can see it in their eyes and you can sense it. And human beings are very good at this. We can sense when that pain body, as Eckhart Tolle refers to, is completely out of the body. And we can also sense when it's arriving, when it's boiling, when it's showing up. You can literally see a physiological shift in the other person. It's almost like even 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 I think Stan talks about this, like the um, their pupils dilate. You can notice like when someone's really open, you know, their pupils wide open, really open, really loving, really kind, really receptive. And then sometimes you can just see they're getting so angry, their pupils dilate, and it's like, whoa, shit, I should get away from this person. My fear with somebody in a complex is that they're going to eat you alive. Now, that's happened to all of us, uh, most of us, I would, I would assume. Where you go and you attempt to fix it and you try to fix it and that person just eats you alive. And furthermore, what makes it worse is that then the worst comes out of you. A person in a complex creates another complex. A person in one pain body sends the pain body to another pain body. The beautiful thing about the way Eckhart Tolle refers to this is like the pain body he refers to, and I believe this is from the book, A New Earth, which is one of my, my favorite books on spirituality. And ironically, you know, Eckhart Tolle is a spirituality author, but I think he's absolutely brilliant when it comes to psychology uh, as well. A lot of people don't know that because these concepts transfer over from, from one domain to another, right? These concepts are borrowed and we create analogies from one industry or one domain or field of study to another, but they're the same concepts. And one of the things I find that's very interesting is he refers to the pain body almost like this entity. And it sounds a little scary, but it's like you have to imagine at times that there is this entity in your body. Another book on spirituality and psychology, The Untethered Soul, talks about this deeply as well and says that you literally have this anger rise up in your body and your job is to become aware of it and watch it, become the watcher of it and let it pass through you. Just let it go through you. Let it burn inside of you because it's burning. And the reason you stay in the complex 
or stay in the pain body is that you latch onto it or rather, more accurately, it latches onto you. And when it latches onto you, you go into a state of pure, irrational, unconscious. And it's scary. It's scary for you. It's scary for everybody. And you find oftentimes when people come out of this state, when you come out of this state, what you should ideally feel is remorse, feel bad, but also guilt. And the reason you should feel the, the guilt is not only because it was you know, not you, but also because it helps you heal. If you can feel guilty when you make mistakes, in Jungian psychology, what Jung talked about is what that essentially does is it takes that thing in you that was unconscious, that behavior that you did, and it makes it a little bit more conscious. And so that complex in your life, that those parts, those traumas, those things that you experienced as a kid that set you off and piss you the fuck off and make you angry, they don't ever go away fully, unfortunately. It's the journey of a lifetime to make these things go away. But really, the journey isn't to make them go away. The journey is to make them more conscious. And by making them more conscious, we make them smaller and smaller and smaller until the point where they don't cause as big of a problem for us anymore. And when they come up, they go through us a little bit more quickly or we disassociate from it and we're able to watch and go like, okay, that's not useful. I don't need that. That's the old me. I don't react to that that way anymore. And so that, when you begin to learn how to do that, can be extremely powerful. And that can take your complex from lasting a whole day or hours or days to you know, give yourself a cap of like 20 minutes or 30 minutes and then you work it down and make it 20 minutes and then say, the next time I get angry, I'm going to make it 15 minutes and 10 minutes. Tony Robbins talks about this, another person who is talking about the same things. And one of the things that I just have an ability to see is like same concept talked about by different people in different domains and the language they use to describe the exact same thing. Tony Robbins famously has this um, process that he calls the 90 second rule, I believe. And he gets over it in 90 seconds and moves on. And so he goes away, creates space for himself, lets the pain and the energy, it's energy, right? It's energy. Let the energy and the anger move through you and come back fully pure and clear and be able to communicate to that person. And when you come back, you say, hey, you know, that thing that you did um, hurt my feelings. And um, you're not waiting for their apology. You don't care if they apologize. You're just purely there to authentically communicate how you feel. That hurt me. And I don't know whether you meant to do it or not, but it really hurts me when you do that. And it brings up some stuff for me. And I just don't like being treated that way. And this is a boundary for me. I, I don't appreciate that. And I don't, you know, I don't, I don't like that. And wait and see how the person responds without expectation. And what could happen to you is if they don't respond the way you want them to, the pain comes back, the anger comes back. Be aware that that might happen and just have no expectations and allow that person to receive however they might. And ideally, that person is mature enough to respond and say that they're sorry, that they didn't mean to, and to hold the space for you to communicate this and everybody to move forward appropriately in a, in a more conscious manner. Hmm. That is what it should look like. That is what healthy communication looks like. And Stan believes that there's a little bit of parenting of each other that needs to happen. 
And I get that, that parenting is the, how can I prevent this? Or how can I snap you out of this? How can I get you out of your complex? But keep in mind, when you do that, you might be entering the dragon's den and you might get hurt. And so it's important to not get hurt when somebody else is angry. And there's a limit that you should be willing to experience to try to fix something for somebody. The equivalent to a parent. If a parent sees their child is in a hissy fit, what is the right approach? Well, most likely it's a little bit of nurturing, a little bit of love, a little bit of like, it's okay. But then eventually it gets to a point where that hissy fit and that complex continues to take over. Um, Eckhart Tolle also talks about this in his book, A New Earth. Let the child cry it out, scream it out, go to their room and get it out. And then when they're done and you can tell it's done, you can go up to them and say, what happened there? What did it feel like? You know, um, did you feel different? Did you feel like yourself? And, and that allows a person to begin to realize that that's not them. And that's another reason that you should forgive people for their anger, because that unconscious is not them. And so you likely have been hurt many times in the past by people you love. And I think that it's important to, as an individual who's hurt other people, go and tell those people, that wasn't me. That was my unconscious. That was my pain body. That was my whatever, name it. If, you know, Cruella, my Shrek, my whatever, name that entity, that evil entity. And if you're on the other side of that, realize that it's probably best to forgive that person and realize that it wasn't them, truly, that committed that act of anger toward you. Because we can often say things that are not us, that are completely unconscious, that we completely regret. And oftentimes in life, people don't have the maturity to step forward and tell you they're sorry. But you, you should forgive them anyway and not hold on to that anger. And finally, the reason you really want to let go of this stuff is because it can kill you. This level of anger in your body, the amount of cortisol that that produces, stress can kill you. Stress will kill you. It will age you. It will kill you. It will hurt you psychologically. It will hurt you physiologically. It will hurt you. It's not worth it. The other person doesn't even know what they did. You got to calm yourself down. You got to get out of your complex and go and communicate properly, maturely with an open, loving heart. I believe that if we learn these tools and we learn how to engage in relationships in a more healthy way, that is a true, true step toward making the world a better, more peaceful, more happy, more beautiful place. I hope you enjoyed this. If you want more of this type of content, please let me know. Make sure you subscribe to the channel. Make sure you give this a thumbs up. Make sure you share this with someone who would benefit from it. Much love. Until next time. Peace.